You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. Well, it's been another week of shelter in place in a lockdown culture. And uh, I'm, I'm sure the biggest question that I have, and maybe many of you have, is, is will things ever be normal? And what does normal even mean anymore? What, what is normal? Um, and, and you wonder, is this, you know, the end of everything that we've uh, grown accustomed to? And uh, will there be another wave, for example? Now they're talking that maybe even if this dies down, that it could come back in the in the fall. And, and it's just uncertain times. And, and honestly, as this goes on, uh, some are just kind of ignoring the 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 experience and pretending like life is normal and others are are basically growing into a, a tiny ball of anxiety ready to just blow up and uh, I'm not sure where you are on that spectrum uh, but every day we're bombarded with with conflicting news and conspiracy stories and theories and battling loneliness and and boredom um, some of you that are going to work every day it's it's just an increase of work for you and 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 just all these unknown experiences in the future. So there's a lot of fear. And I think this series is right on point. As we wrap up today, our Not Afraid series, there's only, there's only one thing that's more contagious than COVID-19 and fear, and that is hope. And we've been talking in this series, uh, Not Afraid, about how we do not have to be afraid because God gives us peace and we do not have to be afraid because God gives us hope and we do not have to be afraid because the tomb is empty and Jesus is alive and last week we do not have to be afraid because the king Jesus sits on the throne and today I have one more we have another reason to not be afraid we do not have to be afraid because we will never be alone we'll never be alone you know, in a time like this, we are being creative with how we interact with people, uh, maybe having social distancing uh, picnics or, or meeting people on the sidewalk and, or a drive-by. Uh, we had a drive-by graduation uh, yesterday where they had the graduate out at the, out at the end of the curb and, and about 30 cars drove by honking with banners and signs and saying congratulations and, and as exciting and as helpful and encouraging those are, you can still feel very, very, very lonely because you feel like you're, you're missing out. We have many graduates in our church. Happy graduation to many of you. We're, uh, we're thinking of some ways to honor our graduates this year, but many of you, you're not walking across the stage and, and on that date, when that day comes, you're going to be at home or somewhere and you're going to feel like you missed out, like you're going to feel lonely, but we are not alone. And I'm not talking about aliens. I'm not talking about space aliens. We're not alone. They're out there. I'm talking about how Jesus is with us. And when you feel anxious, when you feel alone, when you feel confused, when you feel afraid, in Christ, you are not alone. 
Today, we're going to unpack uh, a passage in Acts 1 and in Matthew 28. And we're going to pick up where we left off last week, where Jesus ascended into heaven. But just before he ascended into heaven and is now seated on the throne, he gave this challenge in Matthew 28. Uh, he says this, Then Jesus came to them and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey, some translations say observe, to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely... Assuredly, as there is life, as there is light, as I'm standing before you, Jesus said, and surely I am with you always, always, even to the very end of the age. You may feel alone, but the truth is, this will be over eventually. This will be over. We, we will be sitting down at our favorite Mexican restaurant. We will be uh, in this room and, and somebody's going to be talking about how loud it is <laughs> and, and we're going to be talking to each other and we're going to be serving up coffee at our, at our Vibe Coffee Shop and we're going to have eventually kids ministry. All these things will happen eventually. But here's the reality of it is that many of you, even when we're together, you still feel alone. You still feel alone. Some of you are shelter in place alone and you feel that. And some of you are shelter in place with family and you still feel alone. But know this, in Jesus, you are never alone. Now the Bible says that God is omnipresent, omnipresent. And what that means, omni means everywhere. Presence, that means presence, with us. God is everywhere with us. He is omnipresent. That means as sure as he's here right now, he's with you right now. You can climb to the highest mountain, swim or drop to the darkest and deepest depths of the ocean, and God is there. He's omnipresent. You could get on some kind of spacecraft and go to the edges of the galaxy, and God is present. And this is what's cool about God's omnipresence. There's no delay. You know, we are, are live streaming a service here, and I'm, I pulled it up on my phone so I could chat with you guys during the worship and during the breaks, and, and there's a delay between what we're doing here, and, and there's a delay when we pull it up in the lobby, and there's a delay for some of you, and listen, we, we are all in this together, but there's a slight delay. We're like 10 seconds, 30 seconds apart from each other. Listen, there is no delay with God. You could go to the edges of the galaxy, and he's there exactly at the same time he's here right now with no delay. He is omnipresent. And then the Bible talks about what is known as his manifest presence. The manifest presence is when God shows himself in our presence through his spirit, through his power, through his people. So God is everywhere. And sometimes even when you don't feel it, even when you don't recognize it, he's there because he's omnipresent. And then he will bless us through his Holy Spirit, through, through, uh, through Jesus Christ. He manifests his presence. Uh, and, and today I want to talk to you a little bit about how God has called us to be his presence in the world as well. 
Today we finish out our Not Afraid series, picking up where we left off last week, where Jesus ascended into heaven, where he reigns as the soon coming victorious king. But just before he did, this is what he said in Acts chapter 1. We're going to begin with verse 3 today. Verse 3 says, after his suffering, that means after Jesus um, was crucified on the cross, uh, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. So after he was crucified and put to death, he rose again from the grave. And, and Acts, written by uh, Luke, is saying, hey, listen, Jesus appeared many times to his disciples he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke to them about the kingdom of God. Today, I want to talk to you about the what now. Easter was a couple of weeks ago. Well, what now? What now? Jesus is on the throne, but what now? I want you to write this down. The first thing I want you to know about this right now is that Jesus had a clear mission. Jesus had a clear mission. He was not shocked or surprised when he was arrested. He was not discouraged or disappointed when he was beaten and tortured. He was not uh, upset or, or, or confused when they began to nail his hands on the cross. And when he cried out to his father, it wasn't in shock or, or sadness that it was happening. It was in fulfillment. Psalm 22, read the whole chapter. It was a declaration of fulfillment. He knew from beginning to end, Jesus came to die. Jesus was not misled. His death was not a mistake. It was a point of his uh, coming to begin with, and it was very intentional. Jesus had come to die, often telling his disciples beforehand that he would be crucified and that he would rise again. They didn't understand it at the time until it happened. The cross is not a sad story. It is a story of triumph. It is a story of victory because Jesus had a clear mission. His mission was your salvation, was my salvation, was our salvation. Acts 3, 4 goes on. He says, on one occasion after his resurrection, during that 40-day period, uh, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. He said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Turn to somebody if you're with somebody and say, wait. You just have to wait. If you're by yourself, say out loud, I got to wait. Now, I got to be honest with you, most of us, we don't like waiting. Right now, that's what we're being told to do. Go inside your house and wait. You know, go out uh, and be careful, social distancing, you know. Uh, don't hug, don't shake hands, and, and try not to interact with people. You just have to wait. And I don't like waiting. Most of us don't like waiting. We're not good at waiting. Now, for them, not only did they have to wait, but they had to wait in a city that was hostile against them. This was the same city that just uh, 40 days prior to this um, word from Jesus, Jesus was crucified. And so uh, the, the local people were very, very negative towards the believers of Jesus. So he says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. 
For the gift my father promised is coming, which you have heard me speak about. Uh, For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, every Tuesdays and Thursdays, I do a Pastor Ted talk at two. And um, this last week, I talked about the Holy Spirit on Tuesday and on Thursday. I encourage you, you can look at that on our Facebook page. And and, uh, there's small, many Bible studies on the Holy Spirit. There's two of them. But I want you to uh, know this. I want you to write this down, that you can have knowledge of Jesus. You can have knowledge of God, but you also need his power. That's what he told his disciples. He said, man, you know about me. You walked with me. You saw the miracles. You saw the signs and wonders. You've written down my teaching. You've seen the risen me. You've seen me alive and risen. He says, but there's something you still need. You need the power of God in you. See, some of you, that's all you have. You just have knowledge of God. You grew up in church, you know the Bible studies, you know the Bible stories, you know the the, the characters of the Bible, you know a few verses. You have a knowledge of Jesus, but you don't have the power of Jesus given to us through the Holy Spirit. Christianity is more than information. It's about immersion. What's that mean? Jesus said, I will baptize you. That means immerse you in the Holy Spirit. Like water immersion, we are to be immersed, dunked, surrounded, soaked in the Holy Spirit. Verse 6, he says this, he goes on. He says, then they gathered around him and they asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? They still didn't understand. They thought he was going to like overthrow the Roman government at this time since he came alive. He's unstoppable. But this is what he said. He said to them, it's not for you to know. The times or dates the father has set by his own authority. Basically says, don't worry about it. Just do what I tell you to do. I want you to write this down. Don't focus on the end time. Focus on the now time. See, there's a lot of people who are obsessed with end time books. They're, in, they're obsessed with the end time movies and date setting. And even during this COVID-19 time, many are uh, obsessed with, with this, one, this formation of a one world government. They see it because of what's happening and the government control and restrictions. And the, there are many who see this as the beginning, beginning of the end of the world. Jesus said, listen, don't you worry about the end time. You focus on the now time. Don't worry about the transition. Focus on the mission. Jesus says, don't worry about it. Just do what I tell you. What does he tell them? Well, verse 8 says, he says, but this is what I want you to do. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and ye will be my witnesses. That means you will tell others what you have seen, what you have heard. You will tell others what you've experienced with me, with Jesus. He says, you will tell people what you know. He didn't say you will receive power and then you're going to go to seminary. You're going to go to Bible college. You're going to memorize a hundred verses and you're going to memorize everything about the Bible. And you're going to then go out and change the world. He says, no, you're going to receive power. And then you're just going to tell people what I have done in your life. See, the Holy Spirit's going to give you boldness, and the Holy Spirit's going to work in you, he says, for you to be my witnesses. He says, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, 
and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I want you to write this down. This is the what now. Jesus had a clear mission and Jesus has given his disciples a clear mission. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you bow the knee to Jesus and turn to him as your savior, as your Lord, you are a disciple. Now, if you're a good disciple or not, that is what you need to mature in. But you don't decide if you're a Christian, if you're going to be a disciple or not. If you are a Christian, you are a disciple. And you have been given a mission, a clear mission. He says, you'll be my witnesses in Garland and in Saxe and in Wiley and in Plano and in Rowlett and in Greater Dallas and in North Texas and in Texas and in the United States and to the world. You will be my witnesses. Our mission, disciples, is to tell the good news of Jesus to everyone. I want you to write this down. We are saved, rescued, and born again with and for a purpose. You know what the purpose in life is? If you are not a believer in Jesus Christ, you have one purpose. You need to know Jesus. You'll never have clarity of life in this world until you know Jesus. Your life will never make sense until you know Jesus. You'll never have a sense of direction until you know Jesus. If you are not a follower of Jesus, you have one purpose, know Jesus. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are to know Jesus and you are to make him known. You are to tell others. You have a purpose and your skills and your abilities are not your purpose. If you are a great singer, being a great singer is not your purpose. That is a platform for your purpose. If you are great with computers, that is not your purpose. That is your platform for the purpose to help people know Jesus. If you are a great athlete, your calling in life is not to be a great athlete. That is not your purpose. Your purpose is to know Jesus and to make him known. That ability, that skill, that talent, that, those goals and desires, that's your platform for your purpose. You have a purpose. You have a purpose. We are commissioned and unleashed with purpose to tell the world what Jesus has accomplished and done. We are not merely saved for heaven's sake and hell's avoidance. We have a purpose. We see this echoed throughout the New Testament by Jesus uh, over and over. Mark 16, 15, Jesus said, go and tell the world, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. It's that verse that caused me, this is a joke, just so you know, I'm not losing my mind, to preach the gospel to my pets. I love my pets. How many of you turn to somebody and say, I think I've led my dog to Jesus or my cat to Jesus or whatever your pet is. You know, it's kind of funny. We, we joke about that and we want our dogs to go to heaven, but do you want your goldfish? Do you want your betta fish? Anyhow, that's a whole nother discussion. But I tell you what, we are to preach the gospel to all creation. God's creation. Luke 24, 47, he says, we do this so that the forgiveness of sins will be preached to every nation. In John 20, verse 21, Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you, talking to his disciples. In Matthew 4, 19, he says, come and I will make you fishers of men. You're going to catch people in the kingdom net. 
God's kingdom is the highest priority for every disciple of Christ. And it must be, this purpose must be above all other things. Like, well, I'm going to school. Maybe you're a college student. You're, you're in college right now uh, pursuing a career. Listen, that career is a platform for the purpose. That is not your purpose. Regardless of who you are and where you're at in your stage of life, where you're working and where you're not working, whether you're uh, at home uh, as a mom or a dad or have a career, all of that is a platform for the purpose of telling others about Jesus. I want you to notice the order of this mission that he gives in, in this passage. He says, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the world. I want to take a look at it. Acts 1a says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That means locally, near you, and most likely people like you, you know, who are similar to you. This means your household, your home, your neighbor, the people that you go to work with, the people that you interact with. This is your Jerusalem is, is the people that you interact with and contact, come in contact with on a daily basis who are near you and like you or similar to you. And then he says, you're going to go to Judea. That's geographical. So you've got locally and then you've got geographically. And these are the people not near you but are like you. Judea was, a, was across the river, was across uh, the, you know, just outside of their area. Uh, it was people who were, who were not near to them, but were very similar to them. These might be people in, in our church, we gather geographically. We have people who, uh, who come to our church and, and they're, they're kind of similar. And we gather together and this is our Judea. Your home is your Jerusalem. Your neighborhood, your workplace is your Jerusalem. When you do outreach or you go to places and communities that are similar to your community, that's Judea. And then he says you're going to do Samaria. That's demographically. These are people that are near you, but they're not like you. People that are outside of, of your comfort zone. People are maybe different than you in how they look or how they dress. People that, that are, uh, have different uh, likes and dislikes. These are people that God has called us to reach out to. Demographically, they're near us, but they're not like us. This, this is the people that we are called to make family. That's what I love about our church. This is a family. We have people that are near us, like us, near us, not like us. We have family here. We have Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. And then he says to the ends of the world, that's globally. And that is the people who are not near you and most likely not like you. As we, if you've ever done mission work and as we travel around the world, we come in to contact with cultures that are that are different than our culture and how they uh, function in society and how they view life and world and men or women and food. And they're not maybe like us and they're not near us. And Jesus says, this is, this is my people because we are family. And he tells his disciples that we have a locally, geographically, de demographically, and a globally uh, call from him to tell the world. We start at home and then we work our way out. That means that you can start today. That means every one of you who is a disciple of Jesus Christ, your what now doesn't begin when we, when we meet back together. Our what now doesn't begin when you go back to work if you're not working. And our what now does not begin at your next family reunion or next mission trip. Your what now begins now. It begins right now. It's the people that are in your home and next door to you who are near to you. You can start today. 
those that you rub shoulders with daily. He says, that is your mission field. And he says this, he told them, you will be my witnesses. Now, if I were to ask you, are you a witness? Some of you are like, say, yeah, I'm a witness. I'm a witness for Jesus. I try to tell people about Jesus as much as I can. But what's interesting about that word witness is it's not any word. The, the witness is the word martus. You will be my martus. And then the word martus is the word where we get martyrs. He says, I will give you power and you will be my martyrs. Now, if you don't know what a martyr is, a martyr is someone who gives their life for Jesus. Someone who's willing to lay down their life and suffer in the name of Christ. He says, you will be so overcome and so overwhelmed with this power from God that you will be willing to die. You will be my martyrs in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. You're going to tell the world, and many of you will risk and even lose your life for my sake. Powerful, genuine testimony proven unto death. Our mission is clear, but it will be difficult, and it will cost our life, and it will possibly cost rejection or people to misunderstand us. How can we do this? How can we stay strong in this uncertainty? And how can we stand strong? How can we be a witness in this time right now that we're living in? Well, Jesus tells us how in that same verse. He says, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my martus. You will be my witnesses. I want you to write this down. Is that Jesus had a clear mission. Jesus gives his disciples a clear mission. And number three, Jesus gives his power for this life and his mission. He gives his power for this life and mission. Power for what? This is power that we need for two reasons. Power to live a life that honors God before others and power and boldness to tell the world of Jesus to others. See, the Holy Spirit is the power of God in us to do it. You're like, man, I don't know if I can be a witness. You know, I'm talking to disciples of Jesus right now. If you're not a disciple, eavesdrop on the conversation for just a moment. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you might be concerned, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can actually tell people. I don't know if I can, you know, step out of my comfort zone. You're right, you can't. But the Holy Spirit in you can. That's why he said, wait for the power of God. He didn't send them out to do it on their own power and in their own knowledge and on their own understanding. He said, go and wait for the power of God. By the way, it's a very specific day that he said to wait. Why did he just give it to him, you know, when he ascended into heaven? Why didn't he just give it to him at the resurrection? Why did he have him wait? Well, the day that the Holy Spirit filled them and started a new age for believers in Christ who, when you are born again, the Holy Spirit now moves in to you. If you are born again, the Holy Spirit is now with you and in you. You're baptized in the Holy Spirit at salvation. But why didn't he just do it before? Why did they have to wait 10 days? Listen, the day that it happened was a holiday known as the Day of Pentecost. And the Day of Pentecost was a, was a Jewish holiday that celebrated the day that God gave Moses the word of the Lord. It was a celebration of the day that God 
sent down his word, right? That was the day of Pentecost. And now on the same day of the celebration of God's word being given, we have now the spirit being given. So now Pentecost is a celebration of two days, the day that the word of God was given and the day that the Holy Spirit was giving. You see, we need both. We need word and power. We need knowledge and understanding, and we need the Holy Spirit in action in our life. And it was no mistake that the Holy Spirit fell on that day because that was a very important day of God sending his power into our life through his word and through his spirit. We cannot know Jesus without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not an it, it is a someone. It is a who, because the Holy Spirit is God himself in his disciples. Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as a gift that he will be given, and that he is a comforter, he is the advocate, he is the helper, he is the teacher, he is the guide, he is the power of God in us. And we cannot know Jesus without the Holy Spirit. We cannot be redeemed by Jesus without the Holy Spirit. We cannot follow Jesus without the Holy Spirit. It is impossible to effectively tell others about Jesus. He sends us the Holy Spirit to enthuse us, to empower us, to lead us, to draw us. You might think, well, I can't. I don't know if I can do this. You're right, you can't. I'm a mess up. You're a mess up. But guess what? God sends his grace and forgiveness, and then he sends his power through the Holy Spirit so that we could be his witnesses. I want you to write this down. God uses unexpected people to accomplish his mission. Like I don't know if, Ted, that sounds great, but I don't know if it includes me. You might think to yourself, I don't know, does it really include me? It includes you. And it includes every person that's, that happens to stumble across this video. It includes you. God uses unexpected people to accomplish his mission. We can't forget who that ragtag team of people were that he was talking to when the upper room, uh, in that upper room when the Holy Spirit fell and at his ascension. Jesus had called farmers, fishermen, regular Joes, society rejects, immoral tax collectors, hard-headed fighters, sinners caught in the act. These are all the types of people that Jesus said, come and follow me and I will empower you to be my witnesses. Acts 1.9, after this happened, he says, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid them, uh, hid him from their sight. Uh, Last week, we talked about uh, verses uh, um, 10 and 11 and how Jesus will be returning. This is vital because what they saw with their very eyes was not imagined. They saw it. It was not hallucination. It It was not some type of hypnosis. Jesus did not die again. He sits on the throne of God and is coming back as a soon coming victorious king. And this assured that what they had seen was not a work of God. For 10 days later on that holiday of Pentecost, the celebration of God's word being given, the Holy Spirit was given and the word of God was ignited in their hearts. Jesus' next mission is his return, and we talked about this last week. He is coming back, and as sure as the tomb is empty, we can look to the sky and know that he is coming someday. 
It may be in our lifetime. It may not be in our lifetime. But the resurrection is proof that he is coming back. I want to circle back to that passage we started off with in Matthew 28. I don't want to break this verse down piece by piece as we wrap this up today. Matthew 28, verse 18. Again, this is Jesus just before he ascended into heaven. And he gave this this mission. We call it the commission. And for Christians, it's called the great commission. And this is the mission, the commission that was given to us. Matthew 28, verse 18, it says, And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That means Jesus is Lord of all, King of all. He is God in the flesh. He has all authority and power to command this. This is not a suggestion. This is not an option. This is every disciple's purpose in life. From the king himself, this is the purpose. He says this. He says, go. Go. That means that this mission has got to be intentional. We have got to get off our seats and get out onto the streets. Now, during a time like this of shelter in place, how do we do that? Well, let the Holy Spirit give you creativity as you use social media and, and, and the mail or phone calls and, and contacting and reaching out to your neighbors. Just because we are shelter in place does not put a pause on the mission that God has given his disciples. Go. This has got to be intentional. And then he says, go and make disciples. Go, therefore, and make disciples. He doesn't say make converts. He doesn't say go and, 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 and make churches. He says go and make disciples. Followers, not converts. People who walk with Jesus. The word disciple means followers. And in the context of what he's saying, followers of me, followers of Jesus. He says go and make followers. Not decisions, but disciples. And then he says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. That means every nation, every tribe, every color, every culture, every race, every background. I love this. Jesus is not a white man's religion. It's not a black man's religion. It's not a Jewish man's religion. It's not a Middle Eastern religion. This is a relationship with God for the world to all nations, to all people. We are to go and make followers of Jesus of all nations. And he says, baptizing them. That means a public confession of faith, a declaration of faith and repentance. Baptism, we we do not believe in a living way that baptism saves you, but we do believe that baptism is a declaration of that decision of your salvation to follow Jesus. So he says, baptize them. That means we are to lead people into a decision to know Jesus and then declare that through baptism. And he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Why are we baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Because what we believe matters. We're not baptizing to a church. We're not baptized into a formula. We're not baptized into a denomination. We are baptized into a relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And what we believe about God matters. We hold tight to the essentials of faith. 
baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them, teaching them. Listen, I know some of you people are not academically minded. You would rather do something with your hands than to listen to someone speak. But part of being a disciple is learning to listen and letting the word of God transform your mind, which results in a change of actions. And maybe you're not a book type person. Maybe you don't like reading the Bible because you don't like reading books. But listen, as a disciple, you've been called to know his word and to read his word and to take the time to discipline yourself as a disciple to learn from those that God puts in your life to teach you. And, and by the way, this is not instant. He says teaching them. It's a, it's a continual action. You don't know everything you need to know at the moment you say yes to Jesus. This is a process of growth, and it's grounded in the teachings of Jesus, and it changes the way we think. Listen, disciples are teachable. And then he says teaching them to observe the, the little word observe there is also translated more accurately to obey all that I have commanded you. That means our relationship with Jesus Christ is not just a head knowledge or a heart knowledge, but it's also a body knowledge. That means when we say yes to Jesus, we begin to not just think different, but we begin to act different. And as we disciple people, we're learning how to let God's word change our actions. We are to make disciples, teaching them and allowing the Holy Spirit to change them. See, this is not about information only. This is not about information. This is about transformation. Changes in the way we live because disciples are humble and ready to change. And he says, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. It's, it's based in Jesus-centered, apostle-centered teaching. And he says this, and surely, most assuredly, I am with you always, even to the end, the very end of the age. Listen, we will never be alone. And in this mission that we have as a follower of Jesus Christ, if you are one, is that he will never leave you. He will always be with you. He will always be there beside you forever. I want you to write this down. Jesus will be with you, his disciples, always. Jesus will be with his disciples always. I've got some verses there on the screen, and you know what they all have in common? They all say the same thing. God is faithful and that Jesus is close and near and will never, ever leave his kids alone. He is with you. He is with you. Even right now, he is with you. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are not alone. Listen, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, you do not have to be alone. You do not have to be alone. If you will invite Christ into your heart today, he will be with you always and he will never leave you ever he is with you always i want to read you a couple of verses psalm 9 9 says this it says the lord is a refuge for the oppressed a stronghold in times of trouble this is the key he says those who know your name trust in you 
For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. You know what a key to knowing that God is with you are those who trust in him. Psalm 75, one says, we thank you, oh God. We give thanks because you are near. People everywhere tell of your wonderful deeds. God, you are near. Listen, when you are weak, God is your strength. When you feel, uh, when the world feels unstable, God is always faithful. When you feel anxious, unsure, and afraid, God is a sure hope. When you feel isolated, hurting, and alone, God is near and present. When you mess up, and when you fail, and when you sin, God is so good and ready to forgive those who will turn to him. In Matthew 25, there's a a, a parable that Jesus gives. Uh, he gives a parable of a master that goes on a journey. But before he goes on a journey, he gives uh, some of his workmen, some of his servants, um, his finances. He distributes his finances. Um, the, Bible, the, the word in the Bible is talents, and these were very expensive. On average, he gave each of them easily several years' worth of, uh, of salary and income. So he invested his value into his servants and said, I'm coming back. Now, when he came back, two of them had multiplied what he had given them, and one had buried it. The one that buried it said, I know that you are an unjust master, and you take what does not belong to you, and out of fear I hid it. Now, to those that multiplied what he gave them, Jesus said something powerful. He said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Because you've been faithful in little, I will give you much more. And then he says, enter now into the joy of the Lord. But to the one that hid it, he cursed him. The master in the parable did. He cursed him and he says, you are wicked. And he bound him and he threw him into the fire where there was weeping and gnashing of teeth. The parable says. Now, what's interesting about this parable is this is not about money. This is not about our gifts and our talents. This value that he is speaking of is the truth of the kingdom. And he starts off by saying that. And this is comparable to other uh, parables where he talks about the pearl of great price where, uh, and the field uh, of great value where a man finds a, a treasure and he sells everything he has so that he can possess this treasure or that pearl. And he says, listen, the word of God is valuable. It's a treasure. And he's, in that parable, he says he gives each according to his own ability. So some of us have a greater understanding of God's word than others. But regardless of what you understand about God, God, regardless about what you understand about today, regardless of what you know about Jesus, you will be held responsible with what he's given you. Now, some of us like that one who buried it have a poor understanding of who God is. Some of you think God is mean and angry and unjust and takes what doesn't belong to him and can be hard to deal with. And so out of fear, you don't embrace the truth, but you tuck it away. You hide it or you ignore it. But a day will come when the king will return. The master will return. And on that day, what will he find? 
Will he find his people too scared to tell a friend, too selfish to help a neighbor, or too proud to reach out to a stranger, paralyzed by what people think, married to materialism, and self-obsessed? Jesus will be back. What will he find with those he's given his truth to? Today, you've been given truth. Today, you've been given his word, his purpose for our life, and the mission that we are uh, alive for. In Matthew 25, 21, when he returned to the faithful servant, this is what I want to hear him say. He says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you rule over many things. Enter now into the joy of the Lord. There will come a day when I will stand before the exalted coming king. And I pray that he says, Ted, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in what I gave you. Some of you, it's not much. But he's calling you to be faithful with what he's given you. And because of that, man, I pray that he says, enter now into the joy of the Lord. See, we got the what now. We got the how. Now it's time for the do. And as we wrap up this Not Afraid series, you've got to realize that we are to be a people unleashed in the world if you're a follower of Christ. The story doesn't end at Easter. It's just the beginning. And for those that are his, Jesus will never, ever, ever, ever leave you alone. Ever. And if you're not his... You don't have to be alone. I'm going to pray for you right now. God, I thank you, Lord, that right now, listening, either live or later in the day or later in the week, or who knows how distant into the future, God, somebody is listening to this today, and God, you're moving on them right now, and you're drawing them by your Holy Spirit to respond to the word of the Lord today. God, I want to pray for followers of Jesus Christ, that they would hear the word of the Lord today, be deeply convicted and challenged to be on point for this purpose, to embrace this mission and know that you are with them, God, and that you will come back and you will hold them accountable to the truth that they have been given. I pray that they would be uh, challenged deeply to respond. And God, I pray, Lord, for those that do not know you, that God, they would respond today. With, yes, Jesus, I want you with me, and I want you to be in me. If that's you right now, will you just take a moment and talk to Jesus? I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and you can say it any way you want. I suggest you use your own words, but say something like this if you want. Um, Just say, Jesus, here's my life. Jesus, here's everything that I am. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Thank you for the cross. Jesus, you are alive. Come live in me. Jesus, fill me with your spirit. Thank you for your grace that forgives all of my sin. Show me how to walk with you. Thank you, Jesus. I am not alone. I'm not alone, for you are with me. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm with you always, he says, even to the very end of the age. I want to do one more thing uh, before we, we end with a video, and then I'm going to come back and give a short update uh, with the Living Way about what's going on with the church right now. And um, if you're a believer, and there's someone in the room next to you, 
I want you to do something. I want you to go over and I want you to lay hands on each other. Go ahead and put your hands on each other's shoulder. Just go ahead and put their hand, your hand on their shoulder. You know, hold each other's hand if you're husband and wife, whatever you want to do. If you are alone, I want you to take your hand. I want you to put it on your heart. And if you're observing and you don't know Jesus, just continue to search your heart and talk to Jesus. Maybe you just gave your life to Jesus. Well, put your hand on your heart. And I want to pray for you. And I want you to pray for each other. God, I thank you, Lord, that your peace and your presence is now moving in these living rooms and in these work offices and God, in cars and in bedrooms, Lord, where people are watching this video, Lord, I pray that your spirit would fall on them, God. God, I pray that you would fill them, Lord, with the power of God. But I pray that you would in, infuse them with boldness, God, and excitement, Lord. God, we have a purpose in life to know you and to make you known. Thank you, God, that you came to me. And God, you're sending me now. You're sending us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Living Way Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.